Hey, how are you? Thank you for starting your year with Journey by Joel Jackson. It's truly remarkable, and it isn't lost on me at all, that wherever you may be, morning, noon, night, as part of your day or as part of your bedtime routine, that you are spending and choosing to spend your time with me. So thank you. It's a blessing to be able to share these stories that I've written. Be they short stories that go for four to ten pages, some of them, and the Page a Day series, which are the weekly entries that I'll be sharing with you as we move through the series and as we move through 2024 and hopefully beyond. But the short stories themselves are something I'd like to keep a little bit more intimate. Some of them may have sound design and some of them may not. This one will not. (laughs) But I hope that you enjoy the story. I wrote this maybe two years ago, two or three years ago, actually. It's called The Tender Touch. The idea that I had while writing it was I was helping out a family member. And... They were moving on into a different stage of their life. They'd lost a loved one. But also, I'd spent a lot of my time as a teenager before I became an actor and a storyteller and a a musician, working as a landscaper and a labourer on construction sites, but mostly people's homes. And so you got to have this slice of life of who they were and what they were and where they were at. And more often than not, You were doing someone else's job. You were doing the job of a partner who wasn't here anymore. You were doing the job of a father, doing the job of a husband. And it wasn't lost on me the kind of strange intimacy that we get to offer people when we help them. There's this beautiful reciprocation and understanding that we're doing a service they couldn't otherwise do themselves. And that can have many different meanings and many different, bring up many different emotions. It might bring up a sense of lacking in purpose. It may also make people feel like they're being made redundant. But more often than not, there's a great deep sense of gratitude that comes from it. Even if it takes us a little while to discover that. And so the story explores loss explores gratitude, new friendships, new beginnings, and saying goodbye to faded memories. The Tender Touch She stood outside her aged house, freckled by the light filtering through the frangipani tree in the front garden. Coupled with her light blue smock, she was something akin to a whale shark, quiet but unmistakably present a force untold but never fully expressed. Her name? Rose. Rose eyed the man above her. Always above, she thought. At least it was clambering on her roof, not her tired old bones. And that thought sent an unusual but exciting pulse within her as she caught his eyes, spying her from between his splayed legs. A handyman whose number was passed on to her by a Monday night card friend. He did an okay job. He was handy, 
but the men in Rose's life had always been handy. They didn't turn it into a job and have it written on the side of their ute. Rose dismissed the whole idea of it. Handy Andy. It didn't even make sense. His name was Ben. But it's the best I can get with what I've got, she thought sadly. She watched him lift up the broken old tile and replace it with one brand new bright slate of hardened clay. It stood out like a sore thumb. The hole was most certainly not made by anything extreme or exciting, just age. Age had taken its own toll on Rose. Holes everywhere, she thought. Scars, marks and wrinkles one could physically see. Then there were the hairline cracks and chasms, wider than the steepest pits in faraway places that you couldn't. But they were there. They ran as deep as the river is wide and were made by a man with eyes bright like a full moon in summer and a voice that sounded like gravel coated in thick molasses. You and me both, she whispered to the house, her hand finding the softened wooden beam on the front veranda to steady herself. It made a soft creak as she settled into her new stance. She withdrew her weight but held her hand in place. Oh, stop it, she said. Who can I lean on now if not you, old girl? Rose thought as she cozied into the worn wood. Bed was the only place she could fully retire to now, but she hated lying in bed. But it was that, or death. But Rose loved life too much to give her end the pleasure of meeting it. Her bed would be comfort enough to carry her through, if only to be swallowed by the blankets and their weight. The weight that compressed the cracks, the chasms, and the hurt. But how much hurt can there be? How much hurt could she stand? How? When all is taken away from you, except your wit and imagination, the latter hanging on if only in an evil effort to remind you of your weakened state, playing endlessly an extended loop of loss and love that encumbers a life fully lived, how? Her thoughts astray. Rose's thumb found a groove in the old support beam she still tenderly touched. The wood was smooth under her dragon skin glove. It's where his hammock used to hang. The shadow cast by it almost kept the wood beneath it a different colour. Or maybe that detail was in her mind. Still, she stared. She'd find her husband here some mornings dozing as the first colours of the day crack the night in twain. Bed wasn't a comfort to him either, but the breeze and the bugs were. That's it, he said, as he descended the ladder. The old woman was eyeing the veranda. With her head bowed like it was, he could almost see her skull. Well, he imagined the skull, but her hair was a thin attempt at a protective cap hiding the prize of decades long endured, a brain full of whatever it is that makes us monkeys smile and cry, if only to arrive at this juncture, staring at a faded outdoor patio floor. Rose, you finished, Ben said, more pointed this time. Well, I'm not ready yet, thank you very much, came the reply. No, sorry, um, 
clearing his throat for an attempt at seriousness. I've done the roof. Ben was silenced by the unwavering stare that he now stood in front of and was swept into the ocean of her eyes. Like the evening's coals in the cool of night, not to be mistaken for as perished or forgotten, for they are indeed unbelievably potent and dangerous. I know what you said. You just want to share in the joke for once. She turned her back and walked towards the light flywire door. Well, that'll be right, Ben thought. He'd been working on and off at Rose's for the last month, and every time he pulled into the driveway, he'd gear himself up for a silver dagger in his side of the old girl's charm, his least favourite of which was the long-enduring dig at his business name, Handy Andy. Andy not here today, Ben, she'd say wirily. Uh, Rose, if you can fit the name Ben into a handyman slogan, you let me know. Handy Andy has a nice ring to it, don't you think? That was his attempt at feigning reply, but he wished he could fire back at the old bird, because she'd hold his stare, cross her arms, and teasingly jest, You're no bloody fun, Ben. But there he was, being handy Andy, at least twice a week this last month, patching, mending, never anything too big or disturbing, but enough to make it worth his while. A new cement pad for the bins first, and then a rail for the front door to help the old bag with her comings and goings. A half day tending a broken light fixture in the dusty games room led to the investigation of the water stain in the far corner of the roof. It was in the space above the framed photo of a proud Australian soldier before a battle long ago. Something about that arrangement made the watermark look like a bloodstain. The unexciting adventure into the cloistered roof cavity led to the discovery of an unexpected sunlight unkindly created by a crumpled old tile, putting a man one step closer to the moon by sending him to the roof. But Ben enjoyed the jobs, not because they were easy and manageable, but because his place happened to be right next door. He'd quickly push out the other jobs throughout the day to end with Rose. Then he'd take great pleasure in surprising his wife, Meg, by traipsing in the door before the two little ones got home from school. And they'd share one of the kids' forgotten beaker cheese sticks in the kitchen. Meg would reach for a glass of cool water and he'd catch her in his arms before the cascade of cooled breeze escaping the fridge. The door, wide open, her standing, him shadowing her square shoulders and breathing in her frayed brown hair. The breath of the refrigerator would pass by under her ears where the wet residue from his hungry kisses would sting against the heat of her welcome skin. Meg would mumble something about the electricity bill but sigh as her hands dove into his hair they were supposed to be cutting costs in preparation for an unexpected visitor, one that made her hands nervous and her body swell, but made Ben the man she always knew him to be, comfortable in a crisis and tender, even in turmoil. He loved her growing tummy and her wild eyes. He loved the nights without the aircon, saving for school uniforms and long weekend escapes to free camping spots, 
His hands would dance under her crumpled linen shirt to find her hips. The hips that he claimed stole his eyes, and then she stole his heart. Ben? Tea? The old woman's elbow shook as she violently ushered herself inside the front door, gripping the new polished aluminium railing. Ben eyed his watch and Rose caught him doing so. I don't let me keep you, she grinned. I'm sorry, Rose. Well? Rose asked. Um, it's, it's Tuesday, right? Yeah, was this morning, Rose poked. Um, yeah, well, sure. A cuppa sounds great, thanks. The glare on the roof must have gotten to Ben, but he just remembered. Meg was heading to his younger sister's for a haircut in the early afternoon. Meg and Ben sat on very different sides of the fence when it came to trusting the soon-to-be graduate hairstylist, especially now that that haircut would define their family photos for a lifetime. It'd be the haircut with which Meg delivered their third child. Not practically, but, you know, it'd be a prominent feature in the proceedings. Meg trusted the young aunt, but Ben had seen her drunk far too often to even trust her with a mug of coffee in a carpeted space. But that's family. There was too much on his mind. Why did it even matter? He summoned himself back to the moment. Um, I'll stay out here, Rose. I'm a bit dusty and on the nose, eh? Don't be silly. Muck up the place, Ben. It'll give me something to do for once. Come on, Rose said. Ben quickly caught up to Rose as she made her way up the slow, sloping ramp, and as he went to follow her indoors, there, upon the threshold of the light-sliding fly-wire door, something remarkable happened. The rusted old catch of the door bit into her dragon-like skin glove she pressed upon it, puncturing her small old palm. All three wonderful layers that had carried her shell of a life from the very beginning to this very moment. It bit through the epidermis, the dermis, and the hypodermis. And as Rose let out a brief but full-bodied yelp, a single drop of blood pushed through the broken chasms of her skin and made its warm-blooded way to the cool realm of real life. Ben caught her as she doubled back from the door, his hands instinctively catching her waist and upper shoulder, steadying her as she brought her hand into his view over her shoulder. She turned to him as a child holding a bug, as though Rose was showing him a precariously delicate red ladybug that she'd just discovered in her hand. She seemed even unaware of its origins and unsure of what to do next. Ben's hand dove into a pocket and retrieved a small thin packet of tissues Meg made him carry to stop him emptying his nose out the car window. And Ben laid a soft, crisp white sheet across the ladybug's head, its colour running up and between the threads of the pristine square as it was crushed by the gentlest of touches into a small red dot. At least we know what to fix next said the father of two, and one to come, with a very leaky nose. Yes, I think we do, tender Ben, replied the widowed grandmother, with a penchant for crosswords.
there you have it. Thank you very much for joining me on this, the very first journey by Joel Jackson. This is our short story for the month. The Tender Touch will hopefully carry you all the way through to February, at which point I'll be sharing another story with you on the very first day of February. I hope there's something that you revisit, something that you replay, not only in your mind's eye, but play it again and share it with your friends or loved ones, picking up little details along the way as you go and re-listen. I've really enjoyed sharing this story with you, and I hope you too have a fantastic time sharing the sentiment with others, or even just replaying them in your mind's eye. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate or review wherever and however you're listening to this podcast. I truly appreciate you being a part of this series and joining me on this journey. I'll be seeing you very soon. Well, you'll be hearing from me very soon. Thanks again. Bye.